0: Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's word. It's Monday, April 27th, 2020. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministry. Today, we are continuing our study on the book, Plain Theology for Plain People by Charles Octavius Booth, and today we're going to look at chapter 9. During this time, we have talked about the beginning, we've talked about the character of God, man, salvation, talked about the Son, gifts, how Christians should labor and live, the Bible. Last week, Herbie talked about the church, and today we've come to the last chapter of this book entitled, The Last Things. During this time, I have been greatly encouraged and thankful for Charles Octavius Booth and thankful that this work was republished. Today, as we look at this last chapter on the last things, Booth gives us a look at death, the intermittent state, resurrection and judgment. And we will look at each of these through our book today and end with four ways that we should live our lives with a perspective on death and the last things. And let's start our time today recognizing a couple of things. One that death is a difficult conversation, and those of us that have lost loved ones, and those clo- those that have lost those closest to us, um, it's not always easy to talk about this subject. It is also not something that we should fear, as we will talk about in a few minutes. Another thing is that we should recognize today that there are many variations on talking about the last things, but today we will look mostly at what Booth has said and how we can apply that perspective to our Christian life in light of the last things. Charles Octavius Booth would start today's talk by looking at scripture focused on death. We're going to look at page 129 in our book. Booth starts this section on death with an important reference to Paul's word in Romans chapter 8. And I think it's a good way to start today, so please turn to Romans chapter 8 and read along with me. We're going to start in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingful, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in the hope we are saved, now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we pray. For as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings to deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among believers. For those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God's everlasting love. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More that who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us From the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, for I am sure. That neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Booth shares here that death is going to happen in one way or another and most likely no one listening to this will make it another 60 70 80 years depending on our age. He is going he he goes on to make two strong points here about death. That first we must prepare to meet death in such a way to promote the glory of God. And we see this idea in John 21 starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John do you love me more than these and he said to him yes lord Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you wherever you want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter choosing to die, he died glorifying the Lord into death. As we prepare for death, we should be a bold witness to Christ. Booth says we should live day by day as though we constantly stood at the judgment seat, ready at a moment to leave the post of duty for the place of rest. A big question for us today is how can we be prepared in death to honor the Lord? The next strong point that Booth makes here about death is that we should free ourselves of the terrors of death. 1 Corinthians 15 55 through 58. Oh, death, where is your sting? O oh death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Christ is our victory. He's our victory over sin, and he is our victory over death. Why should you not have terror in death? Because Christ has conquered death. Christ in us, the hope for glory. We are not to fear death because of all the sufficient power of Christ's power over death. We don't have to fear death, but actually a joy to see Christ spend eternity with him forever. Do we have sorrow in death when someone close to us dies? Yes. Do we have sorrow in death when we hear that people have passed away from what's going on right now, which is COVID-19? Yes. But should we have joy that Christ's followers that die go to be with the Lord and are called to their eternal home? Yes. As he comes to the end of these writings on death, he moves to, a t- to talk briefly about the intermittent state. The intermittent state is the time between the death and resurrection. Some have held that this time we are unconscious or probably even out of existence, and we do not think this uh, thinking is biblical. And Booth goes on and says that this is while we are separated from the body. But furthermore, uh, Wayne Grudem, um, says that what happens uh, when people die, is the souls of believers go immediately into God's presence. Death is temporary cessation of the bodily life and a separation of the soul from the body. And our bodies remain on earth and our souls go immediately into the presence of God. And this is the intermittent state. And 2 Corinthians 5 8 says this Yes, you are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body, and at home with the Lord. Luke 23, 39-43 says this, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the others rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember when you remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today his soul will go to be with God because he was saved there by Christ. The bodies are dead, but the souls of the believers have gone to heaven. And after speaking briefly about the intermittent state, Booth moves on to talk about the resurrection. When we are redeemed by Christ, he did not just redeem our spirits. He redeemed our whole person, including our bodies. And when Christ returns, he will raise our bodies from the dead. Booth says on page 134, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed we saw this in our verses that we read earlier in Romans 8, 23 through 24. And not only of the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for hopes, uh, what we seize. But Booth, here gives us an old and a new testament reference of this doctrine of resu- of resurrection and Daniel he says uh, looks at he wants to look wants us to look at Daniel chapter 12 at that time shall arise Michael the great prince who has charge of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time but at that time your people shall be delivered Everyone whose name shall be found in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life and some to the shame of everlasting contempt and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever and it talks about the people that are asleep in the dust of the earth will rise to everlasting life the resurrection of the bodies and then we look at the new testament first thessalonians four thirteen through 18 says this but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as those, as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Charles Spurgeon said about the resurrection of the body, he said the resurrection of the body is the Christian's brightest hope. Many believers make a mistake when they long to die and long for heaven. Those things may be desirable, but they are not the ultimate for the saints. The saints in heaven are perfectly free from sin and so far as they are capable of it are perfectly happy. But a disembodied spirit never can be perfect until it's reunited with its body. God made man not pure in spirit, but both body and spirit. And the spirit alone will never be content until its physical frame raised to its own condition of holiness and glory. Think not that our longings here below are not shared in by the saints of heaven. They do not groan so far as any pain can be, but they long with greater intensity that you and I for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. People have said there is no faith in heaven and no hope. They know that not what they say in heaven and in hope have their fullest swing and their brightest sphere. For the glorified saints believe in God's promise and hope for the resurrection of the body, Charles Spurgeon. And then Booth moves on from the resurrection and talks about final judgment for the lost. And Booth moves uh, through this as he's talking about the final judgment and it's uh, for us to understand this eternal separation for those who do not know Christ. Matthew 25, 41 says this, when he say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The final judgment of the lost is one that is the final word and there is no hope after it, no turning back. Booth lists eight sources of horror of thinking about the judgment of the lost in page 137 and 138. I'm going to read those to you. A consciousness of being Uh, possessed of incurable self-imposed moral pollution, a consciousness of deserved punishment, a consciousness of hopeless loss, of that last preferred mercy, of extended means of deliverance, a fearful sense of endless bondage and everlasting confinement, a sense of utter helplessness with with no hope of ever again securing the ear of the once gracious judge, the memory of lost opportunities and past blessings the fearful company of demons of all who have forgotten god and the displeasure of the lord jehovah as we understand more and more of this final judgment looks like for the lost i pray that it compels us to act and to speak for the hope that we have inside of us the hope that we have in christ that the lost That we have contact with every single day will have that hope of Jesus Christ. And then he moves into the last section of this chapter of a final state of the saved. Heaven, heaven is the home of the divine family. There is nothing to defile, nothing to hinder, nothing to mar, nothing to grieve, and nothing to disturb, nothing to distress, nothing to worry, nothing to give, pain, nothing to cause fear, no danger of failing. None because God and The Lamb are there, and because of the glory of God, does externally light up that happy land. And just as Booth gave us eight sources of horror for the final judgment, he gives 12 sources of joy for the saints. Joy for the saints will forever increase from these sources, from the presence and the love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a sense of perfect personal holiness, a recollection of the depth from whence they came up and the way they came, a sight of grace by which they were saved, their entire restoration to the likeness and favor of God, a sense of their endless and perfect freedom, the blendedness of their habitation, their sinful and peaceable association, their unfailing youth and ever-increasing strength and all that is great and good and glorious, the bliss of, of their glorious engagements in the company of the loved ones who went from earth. There those who parted meet again to part no more forever. The good will and the great love of our God. And it's just really important for us to hear these um, sources of joy for the saints, for those that know Christ in heaven, the sources of joy for their final judgment, and for the sources of horrors for the final judgment of the lost. So, with these perspectives of death, with these perspectives of judgment, I think we should look at how we can live our life in perspective of these things. So, number one, let's look at things that are eternal every single day. One of my favorite verses, set of verses of scripture, is this Colossians 3 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above and not on things of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we should daily think about things that are above, thinking about heaven, thinking about Christ who's sitting at the right hand of God. And when we're making choices each and every day, Let's think of the eternal. So number one, look to things that are eternal. Number two, preach to those around us. Uh, Acts 1.8, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We need to be preaching with an urgency of the gospel. Let the lives of um, that we live, be unashamed of the gospel with the people that we come in contact with every single day. And let us not act only act only as Christ, but let us speak it with our words. So number one, how do we live in this perspective uh, with d- the understanding of death and judgment? We should first live with an eternal focus and second, to preach to those around us. And third, let's empower others to speak boldly as well for the hope of the gospel. We have people around us every single day that we can encourage, we can support, and we can be around as they are boldly sharing the hope of the gospel. So if we aren't able to do those things, we are supporting others that are able to speak of the hope of the gospel. So three, let's empower others to speak of the hope of the gospel. And number four, let's pray diligently for the nations. As you look at things like Joshua Project, you see these 7,000 unreached people groups, depending on which statistics you're looking at, 3.1 billion peoples. South Asia has five times as many unreached peoples as there are in other regions of the world. We must pray diligently for the lost. We must pray for the unreached, pray for the persecuted, pray for the poor, and pray for the vulnerable. Pray for the enslaved and the enemy will try to distract and derail our prayer life, but we must focus and pray diligently. Like Psalms 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are attentive to their cry. Daniel 9, 18, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because you are great mercy. With our perspective that Christ has conquered death and we will spend an eternity with him and also with a perspective that we understand where the lost will end up and what their final judgment is, let's look at things eternal, daily. Preach to those around us the hope of the Christ. Empower others to speak boldly of the hope of the gospel. And then let's pray diligently for the nations. Thank you today for joining us for the Defender podcast. And this week we are praying for the country of Honduras. We're praying for many people um, that would come forward to foster and take care of the children that are in need of families. It's expected that there's at least 200,000 children in care in Honduras. And we need to be praying for them. We want to be praying for DNAF, which is the Central Authority Over Adoption, and pray for them as they are working and pray that we see Continued work toward new adoption laws and policies. And and we're excited about some of that and pray that we would see more and more of that. Pray for judges as they make decisions that will impact adoption. We want to pray specifically for Carmen and Livio, our attorney and representatives there, as they work with families that are adopting. And we want to be praying specifically for our families today that are in the Honduras program, a very challenging program, but we pray um, as they continue to focus forward. We have many other prayer requests today from our staff um, of praying for um, those that are um, in need of the gospel. Um, as we were talking about these, this Bible study, we were talking about people that we wanted to see come to know Christ, or people that we knew, and we just want to be in prayer for each of them. And I would ask you just for a few minutes today, will you think of the people around you that you need to pray specifically for? And then pray that the Lord would give you the opportunity to share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. And we want to take a few minutes and pray for that today. So will you join me? God, we love you so much. And we, we pray that, Lord, you would go before us, Lord, bring to our hearts and our minds the people that are in need of the hope of the gospel. I pray that we would think of things eternal every single day. Lord, help us, empower us to do that. I pray that you would give us boldness in our hearts to speak of you. I pray that we would be diligent in empowering others as they speak of you. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to prick our hearts to pray for the nations daily, for those that are lost all around us and all around this world. Lord, bring to us our attention, those that may not know you today, and pray that you would lead us to share with them. And today we want to pray for the country of Honduras and all the is going on there with adoption and foster care and our families that are in that process. And today we want to be praying for Carmen and Livio, our representatives, Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness, um, give us a way forward there in Honduras to see more children come into loving families, loving Christian families. Lord, we thank you. We need you today in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Defender podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.